So, uh, hello, welcome everyone to the second part of the first episode of our IYNA podcast series. Um, we're your hosts. My name is Ali. I'm 16 again, and uh, my pronouns are she, her, I go to HKIS. I'm Matthew, and I also go to HKIS. Um, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm 17 years old, and then we were on the last podcast also. I'm Clorinda, I go to Harrow, my pronouns are she, her, and I am 16 too. My name is Audia, I also go to HIS, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm 16. Alright, sounds good. Everyone's here, let's dive in. So, today I'm going to be talking about, mostly about how love differs across culture. Because on the last episode, if you guys listened to it, Adia and Clarinda, they talked a lot about individual relationships between two people and the neuroscience and biology of that and what actually caused that. But surely there are differences across culture. So I'm going to be exploring that today. So um, one thing that I'm going to talk about is this romantic love. The whole concept of romantic love has pretty much existed since humanity has existed. So for example, um, Vatsayana, he's a Hindu philosopher. He encouraged people to find love and get married. Um, while the medieval church was staunchly opposed to romantic love. And then in classical Greek, in, in classical Greece, people were rewarded for being able to conceive. And then in like the Islamic world later on, people were jealous and then they locked their woman at home to avoid other people having romantic love with them. Jealous oh, cheaters. You, you know, as you do. You. <laughs> yeah. As you anyway, do. Jealous watch cheaters. the previous episode to get that reference. So yeah. Yeah. as we can see, um, love as a construct, as a social construct, as a psychological construct, um, but also as a biological reality, has been around since humanity. It's really cool that we've had this like global construct of love um, for so long, but how has it changed across time and even across places? So basically, um, it's been different, um, but I'm going to focus largely on two different places. So one is going to be China and one is going to be Europe. So first, in China, love was pretty progressive until neo-confucianists got into power neo-confucianists they did a lot of stuff in ancient china and um um, so they believed that sex was something that men needed to fulfill and so they got a bunch of concubines and that's why especially the royalty they had hundreds of concubines so then they could have sex but the needs of women they were not regarded after the neo-confucianists got here and so the whole concept of love was pretty much very muddy and it was intertwined with sex And then um, it continued on because arranged marriage made sure that love didn't really matter and that the whole goal of love was procreation. And so kind of sex was just like a duty and then love was kind of somehow wrapped into that sex thing, but it wasn't truly love as we know it today. Um, And that, that was pretty much for the upper class, but in the peasant class, the rules were more lax. And then so women had a little bit more freedom there. But um, this this whole pattern of like patriarchal love and then male desire for sex that needs to be fulfilled um, because of all the hormones and stuff, as we know, but also because society was mostly patriarchal and needs of women were not taken into consideration. It continued till the Chinese Communist Party came along and um, they pretty much eliminated love altogether. And, and like Karl Marx, he said it was a waste of time. And then... Mao Zedong, he said it was a psychosomatic activity that consumes energy and wastes time, and they considered it a distraction from life. Because if you guys know about um, Communist Chinese Party China, 
back in the day they were they were really focused on work and they were doing everything in farming and the great leap forward was a big disaster anyway so there was a lot of stuff there and there was basically not a lot of love in china and this didn't really happen since the beginning before the neo-confucians came and then suddenly in the 1990s there was economic resurgence and the whole culture just turned to liberal perceptions of love so people started to love more openly love became acceptable again and even held in high esteem sometimes and so this kind of contrasted to europe where the whole concept of love was really courtly and it was like like chivalry and like gentlemen and gentlewoman and so it was kind of like like both sides had a role in it so men and women had a role in it but it was very limited to the upper class of europe and then they didn't really it wasn't super like romantic love again as we know today with like passion but it was more like respect and like manners and then so that changed in the 1960s and 1970s because there was a sexual revolution and the sex became much less taboo and so we can kind of see from these three examples that love has changed a lot over time and it's been shaped by the culture of people and it's been shaped by like the time period and then it's ultimately become a lot more open and progressive today than it was in the past wow (laughs) yeah okay that was a lot um but that doesn't really you gave us a whole lecture on how the upper class is just gatekeeping love. Yeah, <laughs> it is I mean, really, really good. I, I don't know if you could call what they had love. That was a, a little bit not so loving of whatever they had. Um, at least strategically you know, financial love. <laughs> yes, that separation between the eastern and western um, world, like the how love was perceived in both of that. Both of those hemispheres is really interesting. But how is love universally perceived today then? Yeah. So a few um a few decades ago, some scholars came up with basically seven main criteria proposed um for what love would be and then what it kind of looks like. And so here are the seven criteria. One, the desire for a union. Two, idealization of the beloved. So that means you you hold the beloved in really high esteem and you like see them as kind of almost flawless or you you hold them in really high standing. Um, exclusivity is the third one. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's basically you like zero in on the person you're interested in. And so you spend a lot of time with them and you care a lot for them a lot more than other people. And then number four is intrusive thinking about the love object. So you you're kind of like an obsession. And the five is emotional dependency. And that also includes emotional vulnerability. Um, number six is the reordering of motivational hierarchies or life priorities. So um, that kind of explains why when people in love, they're like willing to spend more time with them, even if it means sacrificing some of their own personal time to do stuff that would normally fulfill their needs. And also like being able to like give up food for their loved ones or even give up their life for their loved ones is because of this characteristic of love. And then the last one is a powerful sense of empathy and concern for the beloved. And so how these seven were came up was actually from looking at a lot of studies and compiling the data. And so guys, I'm going to go through one one of these studies and then we're going to have you guys try to keep score in your head. And so there's this um, researcher by the name of Victor D. Monk. And so he, he had 14 questions that he asked a lot of participants from different countries. And then he was trying to see how much they agreed with. Okay, so let's go. Number one, love is blind. Do you guys agree with that? All right. Number two, love is lust concealed. Ooh. Oh, that is interesting. I don't. Number three, sex without love leaves sadness in its wake. Hmm. 
that's really interesting because of what the because it's kind of like the conflict maybe like cheating love would leave sadness all right number four to burn with love is to be raised to heaven Ooh. okay or the opposite number five to burn with love is to be cast down to hell sooner or later that sounds like um the chinese communist party i was gonna say that jealousy um love is six. sexual attraction is necessary for love Inclination. Number seven. I will do anything for the person I love. Agree or disagree? All right. Number eight. I mean, oh, I constantly think about the person I am in love with when I am in love. Yeah. As like as you can see, some of these were drawn to the previous criteria. All right. I'm going to speed through the rest. In Nine. Non-stalkerish <laughs> way. Romantic love is the supreme happiness of life. Um, number 10, love rules without rules. Well, that sounds like a Disney thing. <laughs> that does sound like a Disney thing. Romance, love without finance is no good. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, yeah. Like, I, you could have, like, a financial like friend. A communist party? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no work, no love. <laughs> All right, love is, of- love. <laughs> love is often the encounter of two weaknesses. That's number 13. Ooh. And number 14, this is the last one. My love will make my partner a stronger and better person. And so Victor DeMunk, he kind of asked these questions to hundreds of participants, and he asked them to rate it on a scale of one to four, where one is really disagree and four is really agree. And then he put up the results, and it was very interesting because these three cultures had differing results for what they believed love was. And so um, you can kind of see that there's a difference across cultures even today with how people perceive love. And you can also draw from that there there are though universal principles that you can draw from these like questionnaires and surveys, um, which we mentioned earlier, that, that can be applicable to love. And so... There's there's these criteria, but also there's some people who say, oh, like these criteria are too specific and these are too westernized, especially since all the studies were conducted by Western people. And by some of this criteria, some people found that Eastern people didn't experience romantic love, but that was actually found to be untrue. But still, only 88% of all cultures actually have romantic love. And, and basically... The remaining 12%, it can basically be attributed to cultures that are disapproving of romantic love. So kind of like the Chinese Communist Party from earlier. So um, um, one really interesting thing that um, Clarinda kind of touched on is that men value the physical appearance and youth of their partners more than women. Just because, again, like men really want to give their genes to the next generation so they want to give it to the most fertile people that will most likely be able to pass it down and that would be like the younger woman and so like you can see with like leonardo dicaprio or like jake gyllenhaal like (laughs) like as they get older their lovers stay the same age what a topical reference. <laughs> was, oh my really God. locking it in there for the youth of today. Really part of that team, that team Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, but it's true. Um, maybe we'll have a Taylor Swift episode one day. But Dream yeah. Red. <laughs> Stream Red Taylor's version on Spotify. And also listen to other IYNA podcasts on Spotify. <laughs> um, so, as you can see, 
there's a bunch of defining characteristics of love and people kind of disagree on them. But like the overarching consensus is that most places experience romantic love. But again, like they do experience it differently. And that's what I'm going to be talking about next. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that was a lot. I think the the things you talked about, like the, um, the list of statements from Victor DeMonk, DeMonk. Sorry, it's not. It sounds like a rapper name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> like you're really shady. 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 <laughs> those, all of those statements were really interesting. I was. I mean, I think it's. It would be really interesting to see like how different. Like, if I were to bring the, the that list to like my friends, how differently my friends would oh, respond yeah. depending oh, on like yeah. what culture they associated mm-hmm. most with yeah so. i'd really like to see like the full results of that like the yeah. also the... also you were talking about like what factors make up these differences but i feel like there are also differences across cultures just to today especially between different philosophies now i think yeah. yeah i mean i think with like the era of globalization in general i think so much has changed in like all of these cultures in general that it's hard to even sum yeah. up yeah but there are actually some pretty big distinctions between different philosophical standings of countries so like for example in like the western world so this is like the more developed world um, romantic love is considered the ideal form of love. So, like, people, like, as, like, you can see in a lot of, like, the Western movies, like, the whole plot is, like, around romance, and it's, like, boy-girl get together, and then that's, like, the thing. But you can see in also in, like, more, like, Asian movies, or, like, South American movies, um, or African movies, like, even, like, Encanto, like, there's no romantic love, or that's not a centerpiece, because the whole thing is about familial love. And so, like, other loves are held in equal esteem in other, like, in Eastern countries, um, as opposed to Western countries where romantic love is held in really, really high esteem. And so, um, another really big difference is individualistic countries versus collectivist countries. And this is pretty self-explanatory just because the individualistic countries, they're, like, more focused on the individuals, like, individual rights. And then so they kind of see love as, like, they feel that a romantic partner, like, they love that they get to get to like take fully into consideration their desires for a romantic partner but also they have a little bit of a like a feeling that a romantic partner would be inhibiting their self-reliance or their individualism um so that's kind of a very interesting point to see as we wouldn't really expect that out of individualistic cultures but then um, if you look at the collectivist cultures which is more like china africa latin america southern europe they they feel like they're already in like a web or network of people and, like, there's no need to confirm their romantic love by, like, constantly saying, like, I love you. Um, and they tend to do, they tend to show love by what they do and not what they say. And also when choosing partners, they take into account the opinions of the people around them more. Just because they want their partner not only for themselves, but also to, like, join this whole, like, interconnected web that they're already in because they're in a collectivist culture. So I think that's really interesting, like, distinction between these two. And we can kind of see the causes are, like, the cultural beliefs and the cultural values. And then, um, 
So some examples of this is like, for example, in China, like love is considered a complex culmination of either happiness or joy, but also of sadness or sorrow. So it's more nuanced, whereas in America, it's like considered a more basic emotion separate from happiness and sadness. So we can kind of see like these differing philosophies of like love as like a really big web or like love as like an individual belief is like different across individual individualistic or collectivist cultures. Wow. Okay. Yeah. When you say that, um, like in America, it's, it's considered more of like a basic emotion. Do you mean like love is, it, it's not like happiness or sadness. It's like, yeah. di- it's like different from those kinds of emotions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's like its own thing where it's like, there's like happy, sad, like scared. And then there's like love. Whereas like in like more collectivist, it's like, it's like peak happiness or joy leads to like love or like sadness or joy is like the absence of love. So it's like, a, it's like integrated with other emotions versus like its own thing. Yeah. All right. Okay. So one last part is just about how um, different factors in cultures affect love. And there's two main factors I want to talk about. Um, one is language. And so this is pretty easy to understand just because there's like language theories that that kind of been proven that language affects the way we think and slightly affects the way we see the world or influences it. And and so you can see this in like love. So, for example, in English, there's basically three possible meanings of love. There's like adoration or affection. So like I love you or like attraction or lust where it's like, you know, like I love like this person, even though I'm not married to them and like i'm married to someone else but like i love someone else so that's like attraction or lust and also just like like romantic love is also a form of attraction and lust and then there's longing so it's like i love her and i don't want her to go so there's basically like three forms of love whereas like in bahazi which is the austronesian language it includes five possible meanings for love so there's sexual desire non-sexual desire liking or fondness attraction and then there's agape love which is love that has no bounds and unconditional and so you can kind of see that there's like three distinctions in america five distinctions in bahazi and then the way they see love is different because of these um, different languages and so another instance is like in tibet like they don't have a word for like from like love love it's just like they either have like parental love is a word which is more associated with like compassion and then they have sexual love which is more associated with greed so we can kind of see like how that will shape the culture's perception of love with like parental love they'll hold in higher esteem because it's like like compassionate and then like romantic love the whole more like greed like maybe like more luxury so we can kind of see like the differences so it so you get the general idea like it shapes the way people see love and also makes it really challenging to measure all these cultures with a set criteria though because of just how differently it's measured in different places and how differently it's defined um and then so like a bigger overarching theory is like the causes of love and effects of love um they're more focused on across different cultures so what I mean by this is, like, instead of, like, focusing on, like, what love is, people mostly focus on, like, what leads to love and then what does love lead to. Um, and then those, are like, there's different emphasis on the causes and different emphasis on the effects. And we're running a little bit short on time, so I'm not going to talk about this too much. But there's different emphasis on both of these. And then the emphasis 
creates a different sort of perception of love in different places. So one example of this is like people in Russia believe that love um, is more like the result of love is like sex or they hold the result of sex as a result of love in like they see it as more prevalent and more common. And so their perception of love is shaped more towards sex. Whereas like in like Lithuania, it's like more towards like spending time with each other. And so because they see this effect of love as like spending time with each other, they kind of decide to like see love in a more like spending time with each other light. So yeah, anyway, that was a lot of information. And so I'm just concluding my section. Basically language and culture um, are a big factor of why different cultures have different perceptions of love and there's different the values that each culture have, like collectivists or individualistic, and those also affect how you see love. But overall, we all experience love pretty much, whether that be parental, but also romantic, um, brotherly, familial, and unconditional love. And um, we hope that on Valentine's Day, which Ali will talk about next, <laughs> you guys will be able to see or experience it. All right, so why don't we bring this... <laughs> All the way back to Valentine's Day. Uh, So, Valentine's Day started, like, in a kind of weird way. (laughs) St. Valentine was a priest from Rome in the 3rd century. But, like, back then, the emperor had, had, like, banned marriage because he thought married men were bad soldiers. Um, Valentine felt this was kind of unfair, so he kind of broke the rules and arranged marriages in secret. But he was found out, and he was thrown in jail and sentenced to death, where he fell in love with the jailer's daughter. Um, But he was then killed on the 14th of February, which is, as you all know, now Valentine's Day. That's a tragic story. I I would watch. I would watch a Disney movie of this. Oh my gosh. It kind of grew to have like the traditions and connotations it does now, um, like uh, from a Roman festival called Lupercalia. Uh, so as part of the celebrations, boys would draw names of girls from a box and they would be boyfriend and girlfriend during the festival. Uh, and later on, the church wanted to turn this festival into like a Christian celebration and decided to use it to like kind of commemorate St. Valentine, which is basically how Valentine's Day grew to have romantic connotations. So essentially, murder through some convoluted logic and a sprinkle of Christian saints um, <laughs> became a celebration recognized across the world as Love Day. What a dark origin story. <laughs> I love that people would just get assigned a boyfriend or girlfriend and like, like, they're like now it. you're dating for this one. <laughs> no choice in this. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Valentine's Day can actually lead to a lot of stress and anxiety, um, both for single people and those with romantic partners. According to like a Washington Post poll, February is America's least favorite month. I'm not making this up, I swear. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh. So like stress about Valentine's Day for those with partners can range from like anxiety about finding the perfect gift to concern over like spending large sums of money to worry even about whether they meet societal norms of what like Valentine's Day is supposed to be like. And people without romantic partners might feel anxious about not having someone to spend Valentine's Day with um, due to this thing called a social clock, like or the set of norms that govern the ages at which or like times at which particular life events happen. 
um, these people might feel like they're falling behind uh, their peers or are somehow inadequate. Obviously, that's not the case, but this can lead to a lack of self-esteem or even a sense of like failure. In fact, there's an entire Reddit thread dedicated to depression around Valentine's Day that I found like during my research. In fact, suicide rates actually go up on Valentine's Day, so that's an interesting. interesting. There's a Reddit thread for everything. (laughs) No matter what you're struggling with, there is a there's a Reddit thread for it. Um, so what can we do to prevent being sad or feeling isolated around Valentine's Day? Um, there are some like steps for better mental health around Valentine's Day um, that include things like uh, surrounding yourself with friends or and like celebrating the existing relationships you have, whether or not you have a partner. For instance, if like you do have a partner, you can celebrate Valentine's Day as usual, but if you don't, you can celebrate. Um, things like Galentines, Palentines, um, and I'm sure there are more names for like friend-related or family-related Valentine's events, but I don't know them. <laughs> Galentines, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I think it should be noted that the concept of like a social clock is just a neurocognitive byproduct of your brain going like, we have to fit in with the peers to be socially accepted into the pack. It's just like an evolutionary trait because we're social primates. So if you feel depressed, don't worry. It's just because of evolution. It's just it's your brain just playing tricks on you. <laughs> I think it's also important just to like loop back to what uh, Matthew said about how different cultures, they like, they see love as more than just romantic love. Like what you said about like the North Tibetan cultures, if I'm getting that right, the like the parental love the compassionate love like i think it's important to celebrate all that platonic love you might have on valentine's day celebrate the successful relationships you have around you that i that's i meant to say like with your friends i'm not saying you have to break up with someone on valentine's day (laughs) yes and if you guys ever need someone to talk to, you guys can text us at iyna.hongkong at gmail.com or DM us IYNA Hong Kong official and we will be online to talk to you Valentine guys. Valentine Help Hotline, I guess. That's what we are now. Hi, yes. Valentines. Anyways. That pretty what much. What else can you do, Ali? <laughs> yes, Ali. I mean. Yeah, and, like, there are also a couple other things you could do uh, to celebrate Valentine's Day in your own way, since the context and, like, required social behaviors of Valentine's Day have changed over time. Why not change it so that it's less, like, romance-centric and, um, like, more focused on all the types of love you give and receive throughout your day, regardless of your culture or background? So, if you still want to celebrate in a romantic way, make sure to communicate properly with your partner as to what they expect in terms of like price range or activities or if you want to do gifts like flowers or chocolates or cards and things like that. Um, yeah. Or you could organize a virtual meetup with your friends and loved ones to connect better, especially during COVID times. I feel like yes. that's pretty important. Yeah. Yes. Wow. All right. That pretty much sums it up for our podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in so much. Uh, enjoy your valentine's day and don't forget to tune in to our next one which is coming in a month and it will be about an equally as exciting topic in the meantime happy valentine's day guys (laughs)